This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. Good afternoon, everyone. Nice to see the sun peeking out, at least in this area of the province, for the first time in, oh gosh, Dave, what is it? (laughs) Days, it feels like weeks. Um, Anyone who has listened to the show of late knows that we've been having a lot of conversations about health care. The health care system affects just about every aspect of life here in Newfoundland and Labrador and right across the country. It's been said that the issues being faced here are not unique in this province and provincial governments right across the country are looking at solutions. In fact, we expect to see some changes made uh, to the uh, federal health transfers in the next little while. That's being hinted at very heavily. Well, there is a delegation in Ireland right now led by Health Minister Tom Osborne in an effort to recruit more physicians to the province. But unions and others say we need to address retention issues here as well before we start uh, recruiting more people to the system. Well, a little later on in the show, we're going to hear from NAEP President Jerry Earle. But first, our guest on On Target today is Premier Andrew Fury. Hello! Hi, Linda. How are you? Great. So, healthcare, of course, that's the, I, I think it's fair to say, the number one priority in Newfoundland and Labrador right now. It's what everybody's talking about anyway. And uh, the provincial government has sent this uh, delegation to Ireland, a, a follow-up to your trip with Pat Parfrey. Um, we, we spoke about that back in September, but of course, all of that sort of went by the wayside with Fiona. So what are you hoping to achieve now with this trip? Well, first of all, it certainly is top of mind for everybody throughout the province healthcare and, and frankly, around uh, the country. And it is top of mind for me and um, myself and my government are fully seized with uh, with healthcare as a top priority. So I want to assure people that uh, it is a top priority for us. It's the number one priority coming into 2023. Uh, we've uh, laid some great uh, groundwork. Uh, some great foundation has been laid uh, with our last trip to Dublin. Uh, and uh, Minister Osborne is in Dublin this week meeting with uh, potential recruits uh, to come and practice medicine in Newfoundland and Labrador. Now, as your listeners, uh, Linda, may know, um, getting a medical degree is only the first part of medical training. So you get your MD and then you have to do what's called a residency. There are plenty of Canadians who, for whatever reason, uh, did not go to a Canadian medical school but are training abroad, and Ireland is one of the countries where they seem to land most frequently. But the path after the MD they achieve in Ireland is often convoluted and difficult uh, to return uh, to Canada. So uh, recognizing that this was a problem and an issue, but also an opportunity for Newfoundlanders and Labradorians, our government created five spots in the family practice training program at Memorial to try to capture uh, some of these students. Uh, So Minister Osborne is over there meeting uh, with some of the medical schools uh, to give them uh, more information uh, as they're close to the end of their degree now uh, to allow them to do family practice training in Newfoundland and Labrador. that will come with a return of service. 
So those students over there are often left with no certain path uh, back to Canada from Ireland with their Irish MD, and this provides some certainty. It's a it's a it's another example of us uh, thinking outside the box uh, in terms of how to capture uh, uh, physicians in this instance. Uh, but we've also shown evidence of, of thinking outside the box and looking at allied health professionals and nurses and and, uh, and others attached to the medical uh, profession. Uh, in addition, uh, Minister Osborne will be meeting with uh, other uh, colleges, uh, including some nursing schools and others, to see if there's an opportunity to recruit uh, much-needed uh, practice, uh, much-needed uh, nurses, uh, physicians, allied health professionals back uh, to Newfoundland and Labrador. I'm excited uh, to hear uh, what uh, he has uh, to bring back. It was an exciting trip in the fall. There was lots of enthusiasm around uh, us being there, a premier being there, talking to medical students, a premier who has experience with the residency programs and and knows the challenges that uh, medical students and residents face. And uh, I'm excited to see the opportunities that are afforded uh, through this visit. Does government have a specific goal in its recruitment efforts? I mean, obviously, you'd like to recruit a few physicians <laughs> or more. professionals, but do you have a set number of people you're hoping to hire? Well, part of the issue, uh, Linda, is um, the pandemic, although it accelerated the issues within the he- our healthcare system, it, it really was before the, the pandemic that the system was struggling. And uh, the, again, the pandemic accelerated all that and brought to the forefront and frankly to the media's attention and the public attention, the issues that are facing our healthcare system. Uh, but there is a perfect storm of um, right, uh, right now within the practice of uh, medicine and healthcare in general. And that's uh, coming out of the pandemic with a with a workforce that is stressed and strained, um, we have a changing demographic crisis in the province that is putting more stress and strain on a healthcare system, and we have a change in the way that uh, physicians, nurses, and allied health professionals want to practice. I've said many times that the old uh, paradigm of uh, the practice of medicine uh, of when traditionally, for example, a, a new grad would go and hang a shingle in a, a community around our province and would see people from cradle to grave and would work 12, 16, 18 hours a day. People would knock on their door and with an emergency at 10 o'clock at night and would be first in the office at 8 a.m. in the morning. That's not the way that our medical students are trained anymore. It's not the way they want to practice. It's not the way they should practice, perhaps. And we want them to be part of teams. So there is a, a shift in the way in the, in the professional uh, work-life balance paradigm that is occurring across sectors within the healthcare within the practice of healthcare that needs to be recognized so that we can uh, develop a new system for the future. And that is going to require more human resources. Uh, and uh, we are fully aware of that, uh, as are other provinces. But I think we're ahead of some of the other provinces with uh, the development of the health accord and the principles behind that. So, you know, there there's never going to be an easy fix to any of these uh, problems. And if there was, uh, believe me, we would have done them already. They're complex. They're multi-layered. But I do think that we have a, a, a handle on them moving forward, uh, whether that's in, in how we changed the delivery of primary health care through collaborative team clinics 
or uh, the ex- exercising the value of virtual care, which, of course, we've seen in the pandemic. But all of those things are going to require more people working in the system. Uh, we have a system that's designed for the 1960s and really hasn't been modernized. And it's incumbent upon us as leaders uh, during this time of disruption not to revert back to the old system, but to use this disruptive time to create a new one that is providing sustainable care to the people of the province. And we've learned in the last few days that we've lost even more physicians, 135,000 now unattached to a family physician. Uh, That has to be a great concern to you. It certainly is, and we're fully seized with it. Um, But we are seeing some progress with some of the recruitment and retention packages that have been offered in the fall. Uh, And Minister Osborne continues uh, to work on on, on recruitment and retention uh, here on the province. Uh, Some of the initiatives that we put forward, uh, some of the financial initiatives did pay dividends in the fall. Uh, But, you know, whether if there's one person in the province without access to primary care, then we need to find solutions. So I think we have a good relationship with Dr. Luscombe and the NLMA and the RNU and others and allied health professionals uh, to work through this together. There is significant change happening. There's significant change in demographics. There's significant change in the way people practice. And uh, we need to make sure that we're training people to to go into the space uh, that is that is dynamic and changed, and uh, we need to make sure that we're providing the right number of people to enter that space. And we've looked at that, of course. Uh, we've increased the enrollment in uh, nursing schools and uh, across our province by 25%, LPN by 35%. We've increased uh, the availability for paramedics, and we've increased the enrollment uh, for Newfoundlanders and Labradorians in the medical school by five to ten seats. So, um, you know, we, we need short-term strategies to help uh, stop um, or help uh, provide people as fast as we can with with primary care, but we also need long-term strategies to ensure that the human resources reflect the demands of the public today. Our guest today on On Target, Premier Andrew Fury, will be back right after this. Weekdays on VOCM, it's Open Line with your host, Patty Daly. Join the conversation each morning from 9 a.m. to noon on your VOCM. We get people talking. Welcome back. Our guest today on On Target, Premier Andrew Fury and Premier, the health authorities are in flux now as we move from four to one RHA. The uh, Registered Nurses Union, NLMA, AHHP, NAEP, all saying that retention needs to be addressed first or we risk the continued loss of healthcare professionals. What's being done, I guess, from the health authorities' perspective and, and from government's perspective to address those concerns raised about things like mandated overtime, uh, stress in the workplace, toxic workplaces? Yeah, of course, uh, we've been working closely with the nursing, uh, the nurses' union and Ms. Coffey uh, to ensure that we, first of all, listen and understand the concerns of nurses on the front line. And uh, I've worked with them on the front line. They're some of the best people I've ever worked with in my life across the world or here in Newfoundland and Labrador. I understand their concerns, but we've worked to formalize their concerns. Uh, last year, we had a nursing think tank in which we adapted almost all of their suggestions uh, we continue over the summer, as you recall, we had a retention bonus uh, that was distributed to nurses and allied health professionals, and we'll continue to work with them uh, creatively uh, to ensure that, first of all, that people understand that they're valued, and secondly, that, to show that they're valued uh, through the correct uh, remuneration process. 
You alluded to this earlier, but of course the NLMA is in the midst of uh, negotiations uh, towards hammering out the province's first blended capitation model for physicians. How's that process going? My understanding from Minister Osborne, uh, it is progressing. Of course, I'm not uh, directly involved in that as, as uh, I'm related to a couple of family doctors, one of whom is my wife, Allison. Uh, so uh, I'm not directly involved in those negotiations. But as I understand thematically, they are moving in the right direction for the people of the province. Are you hopeful that we'll reap some benefits as some of these new graduates coming out and saying, hey, you know, I think I will uh, get a family practice on the go? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, it's hard to understate how disruptive the practice of uh, family medicine is right now. Uh, you have uh, a, ch- a change in in not just the style of practice, but a change in um, the number of people who are exiting and the number of people who are coming in. And there's a very different paradigm and thought process behind what those two uh, those two different generations, if you will, of family practice uh, providers want to achieve. And I think that that's the real value that we can provide patients is through these collaborative care clinics. And so Minister uh, Osborne and I have met with all the graduates of the family practice program and uh, provided them with a letter of offer, a letter of intent uh, for a contract, if they so choose, with the right incentives in place. Uh, and there are many incentives available to them, Linda. And we hope that they, they look at it strongly. In fact, we're setting up a, a follow-up meeting uh, now in the new year when all their family practice residents are back together to ensure that they know that uh, what path is available to them. But more importantly is the change in, in, in the opportunity for them in these collaborative tier, uh, clean, uh, team clinics. Sorry. Um, so what these are, are this would be a, a rostered group of patients who is assigned to a team of medical providers. So instead of the traditional um, one doctor, one patient relationship, uh, which we have all experienced, of course, you would be assigned to a team. So Andrew Fury would be assigned to a team in the metro region. That, And I may not have that same rela- the same relationship one-on-one with the same doctor every time, but I know that I would uh, have the ability to, uh, to be uh, provided for by multiple professionals, whether that's a nurse, a nurse practitioner, a chiropractor, physiotherapist, all captured within that team. If I did need to see a doctor, I would, but it may not be the same doctor every time as there would be a series of family doctors who would be the nucleus, of course, of this team. What that does, of course, and it means that the patient always knows that they have a provider available to them, but equally for the provider, it, it, it allows them to look at it diff- from a different lens. It allows them to be a part of a team. So first of all, they're practicing uh, what they want to practice, what they're trained to practice, and not uh, and, and their skills can be fully utilized. But it also lets them achieve a work-life balance because they know that they can take vacation and, and the patient is going to be provided by the, for by the team. So it also, for the for family practice providers, eliminates some of the bureaucratic practice of medicine, um, which I can tell you in medical school, we're not trained to, uh, we're not trained for that. They, they give us no training behind how to set up an office, how to run an office, the, uh, the, uh, the finances of an office, the accounting of an office. None of that is, is taught in medical school or residency, but uh, these collaborative team clinics will also, would also help unload the burden of, from uh, family doctors of that. So it's an exciting opportunity for new grads um, that we are developing here in the province, and I think we're a bit ahead of the curve uh, when it comes to some other jurisdictions around the country. 
So these collaborative care clinics for the uh, for a patient, from a patient's perspective, someone goes in, they've been having some ongoing issues, and they can go in, and even though they haven't seen the same person, they'll be able to say, oh, I see uh, you had your x-ray, it shows this, so we'll do this now. That's Is that right. how that would work? Yeah, so that the record and the patient would live within the team. And so every, everything would be electronic, of course, and uh, and the the provider, whether that's the nurse practitioner checking your blood pressure and, and providing different medications, or the family practice doctor who's ma- navigating you know a new diagnosis of cancer, all of that would be on on your uh, electronic record. So they uh, they would live as a as a in the team. Instead, what happens now, Linda? It often is you see your family practice doc, the note goes out, the note goes somewhere else, and then the record doesn't. There's not a continuity of care between all the different levels of, pro, of, uh, of, of care for the patient. Uh, this would enable that, it would allow for it, and it would make for, uh, for uh, better patient experience and better outcomes ultimately. Hard to stay competitive. Uh, we're not the only province facing this. Our neighbors in Nova Scotia, of course, uh, have some pretty serious issues as well, as well as many provinces. You just have to check any uh, news source and you'll see other provinces dealing with the same. So is it hard to stay competitive? Uh, yes, it is. Certainly, uh, it's a competitive space, but we believe that we have the best package in Atlantic Canada from a financial incentive perspective. But we're also very fortunate here in Newfoundland and Labrador to have a world-class medical school, world-class nursing school right here in the province. Uh, so uh, we are looking internally, of course, as I already mentioned, uh, to expand those resources. But I recognize that um, the changing human resource demands within the system is such that we can't expand fast enough, we can't train fast enough, so we have to look elsewhere, which is why Minister Osborne is in Ireland today. It's why we set up a desk in India. It's why we've looked uh, towards uh, South Africa and some other places where we think uh, there are similar credentials uh, and less language barriers and the ability to uh, transport uh, mobile professional people uh, quickly to Newfoundland and Labrador. And I think uh, we have a competitive advantage here and that we live in the best place in the world. You mentioned South Africa. I wasn't aware of that. What's going on there? Well, that's just another jurisdiction, for example, that has uh, similar medical training um, uh, to uh, North America, to Canada, to Newfoundland and Labrador. So what we would like to do, and if you've noticed in the fall, what we've done is we've helped eliminate some of the uh, red tape with respect to the mobility and the practice of medicine. It has never made any sense to me whatsoever, for example, uh, that we can, we as Newfoundlanders and Labradorians trust to send our patients when we can't provide the care, super specialized care, to Toronto, for example, to get a specialized surgery. But in order for that surgeon to come to and practice to do a locum or to relocate in Newfoundland and Labrador, it's an incredible burden of paperwork. It makes no sense. So we trust them to go there, but we don't trust them to come here. Like that's... I can't reconcile that thought. Equally, I can't reconcile the fact that if I, you know, most of us, if we were traveling abroad and we got injured or had a medical issue in downtown London, we wouldn't uh, give a second thought to the fact that we were going to receive top-notch care. Uh, But for a family physician in London, for example, to migrate to Newfoundland and Labrador, first of all, they often have to start with an English proficiency test. And then they and then they have to fill out a significant amount of paperwork. They may have to write some basic medical. T- they do currently have to write some basic medical tests again, which 
goes back to first and second year medical school, which is not easy to remember or easy to execute on. Uh, then they may have to do uh, some uh, some informal or formalized training uh, with an adjacent physician for uh, six months. I mean, that proposition not only is it expensive, it's bureaucratic, it's unnecessary, and uh, we're looking to eliminate that so that uh, the mob- so that we can recruit and retain people here in the province. It only makes sense. Um, it, and uh, I know Minister Osborne uh, has had great conversations with the College of Physicians and Surgeons here in Newfoundland and Labrador. And we're, in fact, ahead of the rest of the country in our efficiency uh, currently of eliminating the paperwork for people practicing outside of Newfoundland and Labrador who want to come here to practice. How's the recruitment desk in India going? I know there's been some interest, but have we, are we moving forward towards some hires there? Uh, we're certainly hopeful. It was the right time of year to go there. So, um, of course, they had to graduate. Uh, but one of the key things that we did with that desk is we brought the College of Nurses uh, with us uh, to uh, India, to the state in India. And it became abundantly clear quickly that uh, the uh, the education was very similar. The curriculum was very similar. Language was the same. The curriculum was the same. The training was very similar. Uh, and so that, I think, gave a level of confidence to the College of Nurses here in Newfoundland and Labrador that, uh, that they could uh, credential uh, these nurses uh, fairly quickly to practice in Newfoundland and Labrador. Uh, so what that allows us to do, uh, Linda, is it allows us to uh, basically fast-track uh, these colleges that we're working with uh, because we have an understanding of their curriculum and, and, uh, and credentials and don't have to repeat that same onerous bureaucratic task every time there's a new applicant. Um, so if you're at University X uh, in India and we've already had eight applicants, then, you know, we can we can start saying that that there's some synergies there and we don't have to we don't have to triple check every single time that your degree is OK, because you've already given us a degree from an institution that we're familiar with. Um, and that 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 efficiency, that synergy will allow more uh, effective mobility of those nurses and more confidence within the College of Nurses, I'm assuming, to allow them to be credentialed effectively and efficiently here in Newfoundland and Labrador. So uh, we have a, bit, a list growing uh, in India of people who are interested in relocating uh, to Newfoundland and Labrador, and uh, we're confident that it will pay uh, it will pay dividends in the long term. Our guest today on On Target, Premier Andrew Fury. will be back right after this. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. And we're back. Our guest today on On Target is Premier Andrew Fury. And before the break, you were talking about the desk set up in India. Are we going to be maintaining that desk in uh, Poland uh, to try to attract more Ukrainians to this province who want to leave that area? Um, how's that going? Absolutely. Uh, we have no intention of uh, shutting down the desk in Warsaw. It's going fantastic. Um, you know, I think it's um, something that all Newfoundlanders and Labradorians should be uh, incredibly proud of. I mean, we've opened our hearts and, our, and, and literally our homes. Uh, to people have, who have been displaced from their homes uh, because of a, uh, a war. I mean, a war in Europe that we haven't seen uh, since the Second World War. Um, a massive refugee uh, effort has, uh, has occurred, and we as Newfoundlanders and Labradorians are playing 
our part uh, to help Ukrainians who have been displaced from their homes. Uh, it's been an overwhelming success. I mean, we've had uh, over 1,700 uh, Ukrainians relocate to Newfoundland and Labrador now. And that's not all through our program, by the way. Those are We're noticing a significant uh, influx of uh, Ukrainians from uh, some of the major cities in Canada where they either don't like it or it's too expensive to live and work there. And so they're migrating here because they know uh, from the uh, from the mass of people that we uh, transported ourselves here, that this is a safe place to live and work. It's an affordable place. Often, I granted people are challenged right now with the cost of living, to live and work and raise a family. And uh, you know, over 1,700 uh, Ukrainians in the province right now, who are uh, undoubtedly going to end up calling this place home. And I think that's evident by the fact that. Um, the recent uh, visit or the upcoming visit, sorry, of, um, of the head of the uh, Ukrainian Orthodox Church coming to Newfoundland and Labrador to look at uh, potential buildings uh, to uh, for spiritual celebrations for all of them. I mean, this, those, those are the kind of signals that, uh, to me, say that this is a long-term effort. It's one that we need to be a part of. It's one that we will be a part of. It's one that we should all be very proud to be a part of on a world stage. So if they're looking at setting up an Orthodox church in Newfoundland, that would suggest that they are going to settle in. Will they stay? I certainly hope so. Uh, most of them that I've talked to are very interested in staying long term. And as I said, there's this uh, there's this paradox of of, uh, of people coming from other cities to within Canada to Newfoundland and Labrador. Uh, certainly the 1700 didn't register with the desk in Warsaw. Uh, many of them did, of course, but not all of them. Uh, and uh, we're seeing this influx of people from other cities across Canada because they know that Newfoundland and Labrador is one of the best places to live in the world. On a political level, the opposition, of course, has written the Commissioner of Legislative Standards yeah. asking for an investigation into allegations of conflict of interest against you, and in particular your fishing trip and stay at John Risley's cabin. Are the province's rules and legislation surrounding conflict of interest clear and robust enough to address these types of concerns? Because it's not good enough just to do the right thing. It's to be seen to be doing the right thing. Of course. I mean... Revision, revisionist history is easy for the opposition. Um, first of all, that I'm happy to, that I'm able to uh, fish with my dad and will continue to fish with my dad while I'm premier, by the way, and well into the future, I hope, like many Newfoundlanders and Labradorians do. I followed all the rules. I continue to follow the rules. And I went beyond the rules, Linda, by setting up a, an ethical wall. So I have nothing to do with... Uh, this particular proponent in this particular company. I'm quite happy uh, to fully cooperate with the commissioner and looking forward to it, frankly, because there is uh, uh, there is nothing here. But do you feel that uh, our conflict of interest legislation, some people have questioned, uh, you know, whether or not it's uh, robust enough and that, uh, you know, it's... It... I guess what it is is that you, you can set up um, ethical walls, but if the public is not really aware of what that looks like, it uh, it could become problematic. Uh, so, do we is our does our legislation need to be looked at? I'm certainly happy to look at the legislation. Like I said, I saw a gap in the legislation and took an extra step. So I'm not obliged by any legislation to set up an ethical wall, but I recognize that there was the perception of conflict and took my extra 
own step to, to set that up. This is not something I made up. This is not an instrument that I made up. This is what the federal government used. So in the absence of legislative direction, I looked around the country to see what the best mechanism to prevent conflict for, for me and, frankly, for the people of the province was and looked and mirrored. Uh, the federal the federal mechanisms, the federal instrument. If there needs to be an update in the legislation, certainly I'm happy to look at that. No, no problem. And questions have been raised about uh, major contracts and procurement in Newfoundland and Labrador. How is our procurement legislation? Um, and you know how. I guess, how transparent does that need to be? I mean, that's a bit, it's fully transparent. I mean, the premier or the cabinet do do not interfere in the public tendering process. I mean, we've had a technical briefing on this. It's easy for the opposition to uh, accuse certain companies. I think that's wrong, but it's an open and fair, uh, robust process that has a fairness, an independent fairness advisor that looks over these, these processes. But uh, I think it's um, it's a robust process that's open, fair, and transparent, and um, there is no ability for cabinet or the premier to interfere with that process. It's pretty straightforward. The fact that people win contracts that's the that's the nature of the business. There are a lot of concerns lately of um, crime in uh, Newfoundland and Labrador and and the nature of crime in Newfoundland and Labrador. I know you made a comment recently that this is not the Newfoundland and Labrador of your grandparents. And some people might say, well, more's the pity because uh, uh, the the landscape has changed a bit. Are there any discussions about, I guess, um, uh, putting more money into maybe um, law enforcement in certain areas or, or giving more money to RCMP or RNC? to allow them to do their jobs in a in a you know a broader way of course that's always conversations that the justice minister and attorney general and i are always having are very cognizant of uh, of public safety of course that's paramount to any government and it's the it's Perhaps the top responsibility of any government is the safety, is public safety, and um, if there needs to be an enhanced RNT or RCMP function, uh, then it's certainly something that we're uh, we're aware of and looking at, and would be prepared to invest in. Premier, I know you uh, your time is limited. I really do appreciate it, though. Thank you so much. Thanks very much. Have a good day. And when we come back after the break, we're going to hear from NAEP President Jerry Earle about these ongoing efforts to recruit healthcare workers to Newfoundland and Labrador and his concerns, particularly about what's happening in Ontario and ongoing retention efforts right after this. Got plans for midnight? Bring your VOCM along with the best soundtrack for every night, anywhere. The VOCM All Night Show, midnight on your VOCM. And we're back. We've been talking to Premier Andrew Fury, but... Further to the ongoing concerns over the province's healthcare system and what it's facing, we're switching over now to speak with the president of NAEP, who represents quite a few people in the healthcare system. Jerry Earle, Ontario, making some uh, very interesting changes. Uh, they're trying to cut back on some of the backlogs in uh, surgical uh, procedures and uh, other um, things <laughs> by, um, I suppose, uh, publicly paying for private for-profit uh, clinics to do some of these procedures. Uh, what's your reaction to all of that? 
First of all, Linda, we don't need, as we stated in a press release, some half-baked schemes or risky solutions that's going to open the door to full-blown privatization. What we need in Newfoundland and Labrador is not what Ontario is doing. We need a solution where we can deliver what Newfoundlanders and Labradorians need in our public health care system. And what's come about is there is a retention recruitment issue that is impacting the delivery of health care. That should have been addressed a long time ago. If it was addressed, we would not be in the situation. And Ontario dealt with the health crisis much better than they had. They would not be in the situation. So it's not a solution. Uh, privatization has been talked about before. It raises its ugly head repeatedly. It does not improve things. It costs more. And it is ultimately the people of Newfoundland and Labrador that will pay for it just as Ontarians will because it is not, as people say, cost-effective. It actually costs more, and there's case over case that have well established that. Is there a fear that it will make retention levels even worse? Absolutely, because we already know. We have our provincial government have gone to India, have gone to Ireland, have gone to other provinces, just as we are reaching out in other areas, re- retention issues. So these professionals that you will need, because you will need people to do these procedures, even if it's in a private entity, where will they get those professionals from? So they're going to make our public health care system worse, because guess where they will steal them from? is actually the public system. So they will go in and take our physicians. They will go in and recruit our licensed practical nurses and our registered nurses, our laboratory people, our respiratory technicians, because you need all of these professions uh, to do many of these procedures they're talking about. Uh, So it will actually further erode the ability to staff up our public healthcare system because, Linda, if it was appropriately staffed, this would not need to be looked at. We would not have a backlog. And part of the backlog we have right now, reality is, is because we were into a pandemic. So there's things that couldn't be done. Uh, we have to fix, appropriately staff and resource our public health care system so we do not have to go down this path of putting a greater cost on the people of Newfoundland. Because it will cost us more. There's no way of sugarcoating this. This will cost Newfoundlanders and Labradorians. Look no further than what a regional health authority done in central Newfoundland when they brought in travel nurses. Guess what that's costing Newfoundlanders and Labradorians? In some cases, triple to quadruple what members in a working in the public sector are actually being paid. And we're footing that bill. So that's the problem. We're not going to get something better. We're not going to get something more expeditious because it already exists if we can resource the facilities in Newfoundland and Labrador uh, to do the, the things that are required. And that's something that's already been looked at. I heard the minister talk about yesterday now uh, doing hip and knee replacements in St. Anthony and Carbonier. So those steps are being taken. So we're actually calling on the Premier to say no to the mechanisms that's been talked about by a Conservative government in Ontario. All of this uh, while there is talk of a uh, a deal coming soon on health transfers to the provinces. Um, what do you suppose is being discussed there? Because it seems as though we're hearing there are going to be some strict conditions attached. 
there should be strict conditions about it. We have a healthcare system in Canada that doesn't treat you differently based on your level of compensation or where you sit in society. So if you're working or not working, if you're a politician or somebody that's quite wealthy, you get treated no different in our healthcare system. Why, because of your ability to pay in some instances, should you be treated different? So what I would suggest, just as has been talked about, yes, there needs to be a conversation with our federal government. Yes, we need to have appropriate levels of funding to ensure our public health care system is sustained. And yes, there has to be accountability that the money that is provided is invested in our public health care system. And that's what I would ask our provincial government to do, along with our federal governments and other provincial I've already said to the minister, we're prepared to have any conversation at any level provincially, and we would gladly join them at a national level meetings because our public health care system needs to be protected from these private profiteers because they will try to capitalize on a system right now that, yes, is having struggles. But I believe we can repair those struggles collaboratively, but we can have it turned over to people that want to profit because of illnesses, disease, and injury that people uh, sustain or are suffering from. Ontario is the most populous uh, province in the country and uh, arguably one of the more influential and powerful provinces. So can we put the genie back in the bottle? Uh, are you fearful that other provinces will look at what uh, Ontario is doing and say, hey, that looks like a good plan? I think I do have fears. Already you hear some of that again in Alberta, which happens to be conservative in the Atlantic provinces. I think the genie can be put back in the bottle in this case because I think the majority of Canadians will say, the majority of Newfoundlanders and Labradorians say, our health care system is a priority. Does it have problems? Yes. Can it be fixed? I believe it can. I think many people believe it can. It's going to take a very collaborative approach and it won't happen tomorrow. It has to happen. We cannot allow uh, what's happening, like in Ontario, and there's others, unfortunately, that will consider that, because, like I say, Ontario is a large province, very populous, uh, and we have Doug Ford there, uh, and it's not the first errors made. Look, But I think you're going to see significant pushback from a number of entities, and I can tell you Newfoundland and Labrador, NAEP will be one of those that will push back in this province. We will do everything we can to protect our public health care system in this province, because Newfoundlanders and Labradorians deserve to have a system that works for them in the public entity. You you spoke about recruitment and retention. Of course, we have this um, trip to Ireland right now uh, to try and um, bring some healthcare professionals to this province. Yeah. But in terms of retention, are you seeing any action there? We are having ongoing conversations, actually having another meeting this afternoon. So we have been engaged in conversations with high-level officials, uh, during Christmas, since Christmas, uh, having very productive conversations on things that we can do. Uh, we started years ago, uh, actually a year or more ago with the provincial government, increasing, as we've always said, Newfoundlanders and Labradorians, we can recruit here in our province to get people into colleges and train them up for a year down the road, two years in the road. That's already, already happening. We've increased our licensed practical nurse our practical nursing program. We've introduced advanced care paramedics here in the province for the first time in two sites. We've increased our public PCA seats and many other health professionals. We're out there recruiting other provinces. We've in, introduced retention issues. So it can be done. 
But what people have said, it won't happen this week, but you will see results. And we are working collaboratively. There's another meeting with all-level officials this afternoon at 3 o'clock where we're proactively working with the provincial government to try and define solutions because there are problems. And we've always said we're prepared, and we are sitting at the table to try to find ways. And we're going to keep because you got to, re, as you said, Linda, we got, we got to keep people here first, and then try to recruit. Because people look at recruitment and retention. You heard me say before, flip it around, keep what we have, find a way to do that, and we have to find a way, yes, to open beds in long-term care and acute care, improve our paramedic system, our health professionals, whether it be respiratory tech technologist or would be a radiation technologist we're working and it's very difficult we got to work in all these groups to try to retain and then recruit into them it is possible and the efforts that governments make on them uh, i understand the recruitment effort in ireland is focused mainly on physicians uh, kudos to them if they can retain physicians bring them here to newfoundland labrador and then we're off in other countries trying to recruit. And it's not new. Uh, I worked in healthcare 25 years ago. Uh, I worked with uh, nurses, licensed practice nurses, and other health professionals from Ireland back then. Uh, so it can be done, but we have to do a focus here in this province because we have many young people that can find a rewarding uh, job in healthcare. Healthcare is a great profession. It is challenged right now, but we have to do work uh, in, our, in our province to keep people here and recruit people locally. Jerry Earl, I do appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you, Linda, for the opportunity. And we'll be back tomorrow. Do stay tuned for that. We'll have another interesting show lined up for you. Uh, for those areas of the province still encountering some uh, pretty poor weather conditions, I understand the West Coast still not seeing the best of it yet. Um, do take care. Be careful out there. Thanks for listening, everyone.